Welcome to Tucson New Thought. Thank you. My first introduction to that song, of, uh, and, 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 and perhaps it's an introduction that many of us will know, is actually Olivia Newton-John. Um, and I've always loved this song, and yet I have some challenges with the song. <laughs> just in terms of the lyric and, 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 and some of the things that it says, but I also understand it from a metaphysical, metaphorical understanding, taking a step back from what can be perceived as a, as, a, as a duality, which is not something we teach within this philosophy. We teach that everything is one. But in the one, we express individually and uniquely, and sometimes that experience unfolds as polarity. So where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where's the, where there's despair, let me bring hope. And then we get to this lyric at the end of the song, and I, I struggled with the thought, do I want to change do I want to change the lyric for the purposes of this venue? And the lyric is this, and, and it, 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 some people go, "Wait, what huh?" And it's this: "It is in dying, we'll find release." It is in dying we'll find release. Now, certainly we can take that literally. In the physical act of shedding this body, we are released back to the infinite, which is where we are from in the first place. That is, that is the point of view um, that we take within this philosophy that everything is energy. Everything is energy. And even this physical beingness is energy and it houses an, an expression of energy. And when we release the physical, we are sent into the mystical yet again. And when we make a decision within the mystical, the individualized expression, that unique expression comes back into physical form. Within that, we are always in this cycle of release. We're always in a cycle of release. Now we can apply that cycle of release too with this idea in the death of the ego, we find release. And that's what today for me is about. It's around really understanding that there is this thing called ego. And sometimes we need to take the steps that are necessary to release the ego self or take the mask off because that's all the ego is. It's a mask. Ego is the mask we wear, and masks, they're not just for Halloween. <laughs> the longer we wear the mask, the less we are aware that we have the mask on. Now, ego, the way that it is contextualized in our culture and in our society, often carries with it, and this is, I'm not saying this is all the time, but often carries with it a negative connotation. We talk about people who have, oh, they have such an inflated ego, right? We take that and say, oh, we, want to like, like, we don't want that. The ego is an important thing, though. The ego ultimately is, it literally means our sense of self. That is what the ego is. It is our idea of who we are. 
And in this philosophy, we teach that our ideas, our thoughts, our beliefs create our reality. So our sense of self creates the reality of our self. Our sense of self creates the reality of our self in the world of expression. And we live this reality and we live this reality. And I think sometimes what we do too is we wear a mask for a while and we say, I don't want to wear that mask anymore, but I'm going to wear this mask now. What if we got rid of all the masks and allowed our true sense of ultimate, infinite source self to truly be expressed without hindrance? Because that's what a mask does. It hinders. What if we just take the masks off? So our sense of self creates the reality of ourself. And I have a, th there's one of the questions that I have today, and it is this, can we do this free of the noise of the circumstantial world? And here's what I mean by that. We have an ego self and the ego, the I am self, that's really like the, when you break down the word, ego means I am, that I am self is ultimately who we are in the world and everybody is trying to tell us what we should be. So can we let our sense, our true sense of self shine through without having to take into consideration the circumstantial world and everybody telling us what we should be? That's a tough call for a lot of people. I lived with that for a very long time lived with this notion that, oh, I need to, I need to fit in. I, and I've talked about this this month, you know, fitting in rather than stepping up and standing out, allowing ourselves to, you know, not, not, you know, push the boundaries too much because we don't want to shake it up too much, but we must shake it up. It is time that we shake it up. We have to shake up this world. I look at this world and I see the things that are happening. And I think the one thing that's probably going to change it most profoundly is if we as a collective of love decide that we are going to shake it up. Yes. That's what we must do. I'm jumping. Yes. Yes. Yeah. To do that, and I'm going to go back to my little reminder, we must remember who we are. Because the who we are is source. Who we are is that thing that William was talking about. We are so far beyond our physical limitation. And when we step in and understand that we are so much more than our limited ego self right here and right now, we will change the world. We are changing the world. It is time that we change the world. It requires moving to that deeper sense of self. That's the requirement. And this can happen. And I'm grateful. <laughs> it's funny that last week I said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start letting the readers know I would like to see the reading before the Sunday. And I did not reach out to William and say, what's your reading this Sunday? I had no idea what you were bringing this Sunday. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Because I was one of those people, it took spiritual practice to get to the point where I really felt like I had transcended in some way the limitations that I had set for myself previously. That is not required for everyone. Absolutely, that is not required for everyone, but know where you are and know who you are in that paradigm. 
I am so grateful to have the tools to be able to step up and say, this is who I am. I remember who I am. I live life with love only and forgiveness of everything because there is no point in living a life that does not include that to me. So my deeper sense of self was to truly land upon this idea that I am divine. I am divine. You are divine. We are all divine. When we allow that divinity to break forth and shine through, then here's what happens. All of the... <laughs> Stop. 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 We need a, we, we, we need a, we need a button because <laughs> there's times when I just want to, you know, we need to let all of that stuff go to the place where it no longer is required for our experience. Now, here's the deal. I say no longer required for our experience. It is required for our experience right now, or we would not be experiencing it. So our task is to understand what it is we need to know from that. And when we know that, and when we embody a new idea, we will eliminate the necessity for that anymore. But it's work. It's work. This is, this is actually looking at it and understanding the human versus the divine understanding of self. And, and if I put this entirely in context, oh, this is not going to be pretty for some people. Every single person on this planet, every single living being that exists in this universe is divine. Although not everybody acts like it. In the ways we would want them to. In the ways that we would want them to. Including us. There have been times when I have not acted so divine. I'm not going to talk about that today. <laughs> so how do we move forward with the understanding that everyone is divine and listening to everybody with the understanding that every single person we encounter is divine i have trouble listening to some people sometimes i do and then I have to remind myself of this magnificent lesson that I, was, that I was taught by my mentor in this field, and it is this. God is speaking no matter who is talking. Mm. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yes, yes. God is speaking no matter who is talking. I'll get to that. I promise I'm going to get to that. This notion of what words are formed and come out of their mouth. Now, are they in alignment with a deeper truth? Not always, but God is speaking no matter who is talking. And if we are hearing them in our sphere, then there is a reason we are hearing them in our sphere. Part of this is to say we must begin to start taking responsibility to understand more deeply who and what we are so that we are not adversely affected by those things out there. We're the ones in charge of our experience and expression of life. No one else. But we allow ourselves to get steamrolled by ideas and thoughts and speech of other people. But it's up to us to make the determination whether or not we are going to continue that. 
God is speaking no matter who is talking. Now we forget this too, because we have a tendency to put God in a box. Even in this philosophy where we say, oh, we're open at the top. We are, we are so far, you know, we are, we're, 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 we're elevated. We are all mystics, but we're still putting God in a box. And I'll tell you why that is true. Because anytime we try to utter utilizing language, the limited expression of language, anytime we try to utter and define that which is ineffable, we've boxed it. It becomes limited in our expression of it. And it's time to let God out of the box, to destroy the box, frankly. Now, I had a thought that I might come in here and say, everything that you have learned and everything that you have taken in and everything that you have heard here at this place called Tucson New Thought, prior to this moment, let it all go. And let's start from source. Just saying the word source, we've already started limiting the idea, get it? I had a reflection last week from somebody who said, you know, I don't know that I necessarily agree with your assertion, and I'm paraphrasing here, so the person who is in this room will understand that I don't remember exactly what the uh, dialogue was, but I, she, she, well, now you know it's a woman. (laughs) 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 This particular person, said, I do not know that I agree with your assertion of love being the creative energy. And I said, okay, I understand that. But it's because there is a limited idea, and I think we all have this. We all have limited ideas of what love is. And the, and, and the truth is absolutely that we cannot, absolutely cannot understand the ineffable. We can't impossible. Absolutely impossible. So I hold to this notion that understanding love as the creative energy of the universe, and it is not love in the contextual, it is a deeper sense of that feeling of love that I carry with me in my heart. That to me is the creative source. So that's how I define it. But again, I'm defining it and limiting it. So I've created a box around it. Break down the box. Because here's the deal. If we put God in a box, that's putting ourselves in a box. Because we are that which is. People tell me all the time about the box that they live in. In this particular field, people tell me all the time about the box that they are living in. They are telling me a box of old ideas, ideas which did serve a purpose at one time, absolutely, but perhaps they don't serve any longer. And they fight like hell to stay in that box. It's called arguing for your limitations. We all do it. I do it. I do it. I do it, but I also try to and work to and have the practice of reflecting 
on what I say, how I act, and who I am in this world, and I work to say, am I arguing for my limitations right here and right now? So what are the arguments that we might be making? Many arguments we will make all the time. And are we, are we, are we fighting like hell to hold on to them? Arguments like illness, identifying with a physical illness. Is that a limitation that we are experiencing? Are we identifying with this notion that somehow we are not enough? And that becomes reflected in our money or our sense of self. We feel less than. Do we identify with this notion that perhaps we are bad at relationships? Do we identify with this notion that somehow we cannot be fulfilled? We hate our jobs. We're limiting, 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 limiting. What are the limiting beliefs you keep repeating in your mind? What are those beliefs? Only you will know. You may have people who will reflect them to you. It's possible. But you know in your heart what those beliefs are. Now, I also want to say let's honor those beliefs. Let's honor those limitations right here and right now. Let's live in gratitude for them because they have created a construct of experience that feels comfortable. They are a part of us. We learn to define our own sense of self, our own sense of beingness. We define our ego based on the limitations we have created. But are the limitations required? I'm debating whether I want this to be a rhetorical question or not. <laughs> are the limitations required? Yes and no. That's really the answer. Yes and no. You get to decide. Each and every one of us gets to decide what to hold on to. And as long as it serves us in a constructive way, then perhaps go ahead and hold on to that limitation or that limited idea, because that is how we express in this world. But if it no longer serves you, let it go. Like Elsa says, sings, let it go, let it go. I've got some frozen fans in the room. <laughs> A change of mind. When we change our mind, and it is up to us to determine if we're going to change our mind. A change of mind is the activity of infinite potential in motion. It is part of the evolutionary experience. I'm going to say that again. A change of mind is the activity of infinite potential in motion. It is part of the evolutionary experience. We are a center for spiritual evolution. And so my point of view in creating this construct to attract community was to say, my desire is that we are evolving into the next way of being. And we do this by committing to change our minds. So are you going to argue for your limitations? Are you going to continue to argue for your limitations that perhaps no longer work for you? Or are you going to embody something deeper? That's really the biggest question today. 
and perhaps the question that you can walk away with today. Arguing for our limitations is deflecting responsibility, and accepting responsibility is letting those limitations go. And I'll tell you, when I have let limitations go, I am freed to the infinite, and it feels so good. It is then that I become truly an instrument of peace, an instrument of love, an instrument of joy, an instrument of power, an instrument of beauty, an instrument of light, and an instrument of life. In the deepest sense of those things. Those things being attributes for this infinite divinity that is ineffable, beyond language, beyond words, beyond comprehension, and yet we keep trying to figure it out. It's time to see what Ernest Holmes has to say about this. Do you mind? So many of you will have written down a number, and that number is going to correspond. We do a random drawing. That number will correspond with a page in this book, The Science of Mind, which is the foundational and primary text that we utilize within this particular branch of the New Thought philosophy. And so, Karimon, what is... Oh, they're, okay. She's, she's, she's making it work. Opportunity. Okay. All right. Oh, you tell me what, because I could just pretend like, I, like there's some. 65. So I will now turn to page 65. She could be a plant. She could be, but. All right, on page 65, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are eight paragraphs on this page. I heard five first. So, one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> there is antiquated language in this reading. I'm going to preface this with that. And God said within himself something after this fashion. If I wish to have a man who is a real being, I must give him self-choice. <laughs> Ernie and I, we're like this. <laughs> self-choice, there it is. Uh, he, I'm like, where, where is it? He must be spontaneous, not automatic. The limitations we take on are the things that actually lead us into automatic responses and automatic behaviors. Spontaneous behaviors are backing ourselves up, letting go of those limitations, remembering who we are. I love that I can point to this all the time. <laughs> remembering who we are. We can live in spontaneity and deepen our practice of the experience of life in that fashion. He must have dominion over everything. Well, okay, so. I can tell you what's happening in this particular part of the book. He has taken the creation story from the Holy Bible and he is reinterpreting it. So this is part of that reinterpretation because I actually don't know that I necessarily personally, now you get to decide for yourself, I don't know that I necessarily personally agree that mankind, humankind should have dominion over everything because I think we have really messed it up. <laughs> yeah. 
I will let him name everything I have created. Basically, I will let him limit everything I've created. Think about that. And he shall have all things to enjoy. For his life must be full and complete if he is to, if he is to express my nature. Now, I say it's in antiquated language, of course, because he's taking dualistic language that was utilized in the Holy Bible, and he's attributing it here. And there's a lot of dualism in this particular book, which we have really moved away from. This book, which was orig originally written in 1926, this edition was 1938. We're 80, 80 years, 80 years ago. And he was in a different place when he was making his transition in the 1960s. I think we need to honor the fact that if we are to spiritually evolve, maybe I should stop reading this book. I'm not going to, because it inspires, here's the deal. I don't take it literally, it inspires something within me. It inspires something within me to think more deeply, to allow myself to go to that place of deeper profundity, to understand myself in a new way. That's evolution to me but he would also have been the first to say, if you're still studying this book in 100 years, if in 50 years, then you didn't understand my meaning or what I was trying to teach. We have mystics all around us. Are we listening to them? Are we allowing them to have the voice that, uh, of import that we give to people like Ernest Holmes? We all have something to say, and if we all allow ourselves to get Right down to it, each and every one of us is a mystic. But we might cover that up with a mask and not allow that to shine forth. So that's all pretty serious, right? A lot of deep thought, a lot of deep philosophical thought. Because finally what I want to say in all of this have a sense of humor. <laughs> have a sense of humor. I have a friend from Los Angeles where I used to live, and we used to joke all the time about the notion uh, of this idea. You know, we were being taught in our spiritual center that we can stand up and proclaim, I am God, right? Because that's what we should all be proclaiming because it is the truth. We are that source. And we used to joke, he and I, we used to say, how could I possibly think I was anything else? And how egotistical to think that I am something other than God. <laughs> Have a sense of humor around it all. Because we are serious in our spiritual practice. We can be silly in our spiritual practice. Let us be playful in life. And let's recognize them with the potential of being the same thing. The living of our life from the deepest point of view is spiritual practice. And while we may formalize it through practices like prayer and meditation and those things, you don't, those things are not required to live a life of spiritual practice. But I'm going to give you some homework now. <laughs> this is not a requirement, but a suggestion. Because the way that our experience of the divine is limited is in the way we express it. And a lot of that expression comes through language. And it is the interactions that we have with other people and the conversations that we have with other people. All of that continues to compound to limit the experience and expression of the infinite source in our lives. So this week's homework is 
I would say very simple, but not necessarily easy. I want you to listen this week. I want you to spend time mostly listening. Now, one of the things that we often do when we are in conversation is we're not listening to the other person. We are contemplating what we are going to say. I'm going to encourage all of us to take a step back and really listen this week. And there are three ways in which I would, li I would like us all to listen. Number one, listen to what you hear. Simple. Listen to what you hear. Number two, listen to what you think about what you hear. So listen to what you hear. Listen to what you think about what you hear. And the third aspect of listening is this. Listen to the greater intuitive voice moving through you. Listen to what you hear. Listen to what you think about what you hear. And listen to the greater intuitive voice that is moving through you. And it is always, always moving through you. Namaste. Thank you for listening. Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.